just just want to start this morning with questions okay if you have a question you remember what is the topic for this month sonship so i want to open up the time for questions if you have a question we've been learning we've been understanding about sonship but if you have a question today i'd like to take a couple of questions before we go into the word what's the power of sonship in earthly realm and in heavenly realm okay thank you you know i think that that's a sermon in in itself but the the beauty about sonship is that you experience everything that the father has everything that the father carries everything that the father has received it belongs to the son so the the power of sonship how do i talk about the power of sonship i think it's more about the identity of the person than about what he is able to do sometimes we focus so much on how much the son is able to accomplish or where the son has gone or what the son has been able to uh, you know speak and earn and all of that but i think sonship is more about the identity of that individual that is where the power lies i think most people around the world right now our generation is the most fatherless generation you know we've never seen orphans like this ever before we have never seen broken marriages like this ever before we have never seen uh, children being born outside the covenant of marriage ever before and our generation is the most broken generation and this is a generation that requires needs uh, there is a necessity for them to have an identity and it is the father who gives you your identity it is not your job it is not your uh, you know relationships it is not how much you have how many resources you have how, how much you have around in like that is not what gives you your identity uh, it is in your relationship with your father that you receive your identity and i think that was so true about jesus right when he came up out of the water what was the declaration about him this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased and that is the identity that the enemy tried to fight for the next 40 days the enemy kept asking are you really the son of god if you are then i need you to do this if you're really the son of god then why don't you jump from here if you're really the son of god then why don't you just worship me if you're really the son of god even at the cross the enemy came to jesus and said if you are really the son of god then get off the cross prove it to us that you are the son of god so the enemy was not so much threatened by the power of jesus the enemy was not threatened by the fact that jesus was raising people from the dead the enemy was not threatened by the fact that jesus was healing the sick you understand what i'm saying the enemy was threatened because jesus said i am the son of god that is when the bible says they took stones to throw at him not because he healed people not because of the power that he demonstrated because if there is power in the house of god there is counterfeit power outside there but what you don't get outside is your identity is your true identity which is which is only available when you understand that you are a son amen i did thank you for opportunity the question first questions like uh, we see so many people call like 
to people you are my sons and daughter like as a it is the son will define or the father will define that he or she is the sons or daughter that is first questions and the second question like when jesus said to philip like if you saw me you saw father like imitating part like that about how that the son can be like paul said you imitate me as i imitate christ and when people saw timothy's they saw the reflection of the father like how the person can be a the, the reflection like when people saw jesus they didn't see father but they see father on jesus the reflection as a son like the what are the keys like see what you should understand is every earthly system it has to reflect something that is already in heaven like it it cannot be like marriage for example the bible says it is a reflection of the relationship between jesus and the church okay physical parenthood it is a relationship it is a expression of god's love for us or god's fatherhood existed before we started having children amen it's fatherhood existed or sonship existed even before god created mankind sonship was there in eternity from the beginning the son was there from the very beginning so everything that we we need a model for or we need answers for we need to look back into heaven and say okay how does this work in heaven how does god the father and god the son relate to each other so who called whom first did the father call the son or did the son call the father the father called the son that's what we see now in earthly means like you know when we talk specifically in the in the fact of spiritual parents you know we have spoken a lot about spiritual parents and spiritual children because in a church community like this there is spiritual parents and spiritual children i think that sometimes it is okay for a father to identify a person as a son but unless the son has the same revelation unless the son has the same understanding it will not work out and sometimes the son can get pressured to submit to the father because the father is calling him his son that is one of the reasons why you would not find me calling anybody as my sons or daughters you you know i even my pastors i call them by their names not because they are not my sons it's just because i don't want to pressure them to submit to me it has to be their revelation some of the most submitted sons i have i still you know call them you know by their names and you know by their titles i i don't call them sons and daughters not because they are not it's because i i want them to have a revelation of the extent of extent of their submission that they need to have and i think that is why in the church we've been given the the example of jesus you know jesus is the perfect son there is no son better than jesus your father is not the perfect son you you journey with your father your physical father or your spiritual father like the pastor mentioned last sunday how many of you were blessed by that word you know we had given him one hour but then when he started ministering i was like please take as much time as you want you're talking sense this is making a lot of difference 
and I, if you've missed it, go back on YouTube and get that word. It has just gone live today. Make sure to get that word on spiritual parents, and that's blessing. And, and he mentioned how spiritual parents also have weaknesses, also have mistakes. So they are not perfect sons either. You should submit to a man of God who, who himself is a son, who understands sonship. But even they are not perfect sons. The best example of son is Jesus. The best example, the best revelation of sonship you will have is when you journey close to Jesus. And, and that is why it is necessary that we study the life and the submission of Jesus. And that's my sermon title for today. Okay? Imitating Jesus' sonship. One of the questions that I have is, how important is it for a daughter to relate or rather connect with the mother, spiritual mother. Um, like we understand about, you know, we've always spoken about a, a son and a father, but with a daughter and a mother. And also, what if it gets difficult? Like, you know, sometimes your mothers don't have the time because they are busy with their physical children or whatever. And I know that we can tap into the spiritual and, and gain access to what they have. but. Can you speak a little more about a daughter to a mother and a mother to a daughter? You know, one revelation that we need to have is that you don't have a father and a mother. It's not two different people. It's one. You, you, it's not like you receive different from the father and you receive different from, this, from the mother. Both of them definitely have their own unique anointings and grace. But you're not receiving individually from them differently. You may be, for physical reasons, you may be in close contact with the woman of God. For physical reasons that the man of God is not available, you may be receiving counsel and help. And also because the woman of God may be able to give more precise help for matters that men cannot talk about. So for physical reasons, that may be the person that you have access to but it is not a different person it's it's the same thing so the same protocols and principles that apply for sons and fathers it also works for mothers and daughters and i i personally think that there has to be a a disconnect that we will experience in the physical realm in order to be able to receive better from our spiritual parents till the time that there is a very close physical connection, we don't really have a revelation of who they are in the spirit. Because every day you see them, every day you're hearing them, in the natural, right? Every day you, you're receiving their advice and counsel and, and, and it requires a level of distance from them. Like for example, for me, it was that seven days, seven bad, long, really <laughs> extremely long days in the ICU. There was a time Every time I would come to my senses, I'm checking my phone to see if I can, you know, talk to my father. But they wouldn't allow the phone in the ICU. So I'm left all to myself and the spirit within me in order to access the grace that I've submitted to. And those will be times when I'll have dreams, encounters, where my father would come give instructions to me in my sleep. And then, you know, when I got out of the ICU, I, I shared, this is what happened, this is what I heard, this is what you told me. And he's like, ah, that sounds like me. 
So, so it required for me because we work closely together and we, we, we run a ministry together. Sometimes that closeness can stop me from receiving from the, the spiritual grace that is upon that man. And for me, it required that distance where I couldn't access him physically to receive some spiritual help that could only come when the disconnect will happen. So I think that it is very necessary for all of us to sometimes intentionally have a very spiritual distance that is main maintained so that we can receive better from our spiritual parents so that that familiarity doesn't creep in so that we don't start to take things for granted you know so uh, so so we have to intentionally pursue for that we have to intentionally look for that and make way for that distance um, but otherwise i don't think that there is any difference you receive from the word that is brought to you not from the counsel that is given to you from the word that is brought to you why the word is the food See, the counsel that you get from a, a pastor or from a leader, it, it is very, very need-specific. But the word that is given to you, it is not need-specific. It, it, is, it, is it is very eternal. Because you may not even need that word right now, but it is fixing things for issues that you're going to face 10 years from now. Some of you, you're not even married, but there are things that are going to be changed in your spirit, in your mind, in your emotions for things that you need to handle after you're married or after you're a parent. The word is that powerful. Counsel is very different. Counsel is something that we go to for need to need, for, for one thing to the next. But the primary way we can receive from our spiritual parents is by not missing a single thing that they cook for us. You should remember that your spiritual parents, they, they work hard to cook for you. Your physical parents do too. And the, the, the rudest thing that you can do is, is walking into the home and disrespecting the food that they have taken so long to make for you. When I go home to my parents in Ambarnath, I forget my diet, I forget the, my weight, I forget everything else because she has worked overtime to, to make this meal for me. And so we, we, have to, we have to become um, unsatisfiable or insatiable, you know, in terms of our hunger for the word that comes through our spiritual parents. Not miss, miss a single word. You know, some of the sermons, like this morning I was listening to a sermon of my father and I'm like, wow, this is the third time that I'm listening to this word. And it is still so fresh and it still spoke life to me for today. And it still gave me directions for some things that I needed to do today. So it is based on your hunger. You know, the other day, my wife and I, we were just discussing this, how, you know, now that we have the baby, you know, we have to feed her every, every two hours, every one hour, two hours. We realized that according to the baby's hunger, the production of the milk also increased. And I'm like, man, this is, what mechanism is this? It is not... Like, you know, uh, a system that we program and say, okay, today we need two liters or, you know. But it's just the, when the baby cries in the other room, my wife, she would be like, oh my God, you know, I need to, this is all my, my, the milk is already overflowing. 
Why? Because the baby is crying in another room. It just sends signal to the, to the mother who is in a different room and, and the milk begins to be produced. The food begins to be prepared. So you think that it is because you, you have a conversation with your spiritual parents and then, you know, they're like, okay, I have to prepare something specific for his need. That's not how it works. It is based on your hunger. When your hunger increases, the food that is required for you will be prepared and it will be delivered to you. So primarily, I, I don't, I, I would never blame the spiritual parents for not being sensitive to not feed you. I would say it is because we have not been hungry enough. Because the first two days after Yael was born, she was like, you know, least bother. She would sleep, she would drink for like two minutes, three minutes and go off to sleep. And, I, and the doctors are panicking, we are panicking. But then as her hunger increased, the milk production also increased. So I believe that God will reward your hunger. According to your hunger, the Lord will give you the right food, the right reward, the right material, the right revelations, the right understanding that is required for you to go to the next level. Amen? Every good and perfect thing that is required for you, for your godliness, it is already given. It is already released. Amen? Thank you for this opportunity, first of all. I just wanted to ask uh, about, see, I draw a lot of similarities between the relationship of marriage and father and uh, sonship, right? So now what happens when you as an individual, you as a son, um, you know, are committed to both relationships, right? And you have your responsibility in both, you have your roles in both, your priorities in both. Now what if there is a conflict between what your spiritual father is saying and what your spouse is saying or supporting, how do you then, um, you know, choose or decide and prioritize without disappointing one relationship? Yeah, just to add to that question, uh, can a married couple have um, different spiritual parents? Like, uh, can the husband have a sp different set of spiritual parents and the wife have a different sp uh, set of spiritual parents? Okay, thank you. This is a very important question because, uh, you know, being in ministry, we face this a lot. We help a lot of couples who are not completely aligned about their revelation of who their spiritual parents are. And uh, because of which it creates a lot of conflict in the marriage or it may create conflict in their submission to their spiritual parents. Now, this, is, this has been my revelation. This has been my understanding. I believe that spiritual relationships are higher than physical relationships. You understand that? For sure, there is no doubt about it. Spiritual relationships are eternal. Physical relationships are temporary. Are There is not to devalue marriage. And I'm not saying that to devalue marriage. Whenever we see a couple who have a difference of opinion where the husband or the wife is not in alignment with what the spiritual father's instruction is. There was a couple in our church where the husband, he was a ferocious son. He would obey me to the end. He, would, he was willing to, like, he was one of those sons who would give up his, you know, eye for me. He would write off his bank balance for me. That was the kind of son he was. 
but his wife was not fully in alignment to that and i said you have to leave you have to go stand with your wife go find another church we can still help you we can still back you up you cannot let this become the reason to break your marriage because that had that that conflict had reached a place where she's like you choose one either either you go be in this church or you come and you know be in this marriage and you know so i said see it's okay don't worry the lord will provide for you all your spiritual needs we are still there for you we are still praying for you don't worry you don't have to be in this church you don't have to be my son it's okay we released you we released you and we released that couple completely and they prospered they grew they are, they are still friends of ours they are not our spiritual children but they are still friends of ours we love them they love us you know but that marriage was saved because you know we didn't want to see them break apart but that was that one couple that i knew and i knew and i knew that they had to be with us like the day he walked in even before he was saved he got saved here and he got baptized here if i'm not wrong i knew and i knew and i knew without a shadow of doubt that this guy had to grow here but i had to happily gladly release him because of the for the blessing of his marriage so that his marriage will not be hampered because of his relationship with me so i i don't believe i do believe that spiritual relationships are priority but i don't believe that we should break something because this is god's word what god has joined let no man separate and it, and it is very clear in scripture how it says that the head of the wife is the spiritual father the pastor the husband and the head of the husband is who not the spiritual father you know not the pastor the head of the husband is christ so in the context of marriage nobody can interfere so the pastor cannot give an advice to the wife that the husband is against can give an advice but she is not obligated to keep it if a husband is not in in alignment with it because that is the order god has created in marriage in fact we may think this is only about you know those couples who are equally yoked in marriage but if you go to first peter 3:1 it's it says wives who are married to unbelieving husbands which means husbands who don't believe in jesus who don't come to church who don't have a revelation of who this god is wives you have to still submit to these guys can you imagine the 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 priority that scripture gives on the order in marriage so the pastor is nobody to interfere and say wait 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 daughter you need to do this you know we've had we've released so many even in revived nations we've had to release couples because the because one of them would not be in alignment and then they would go through a journey and process where both of them would journey with each other and both of them would see their humility and then they would come to that revelation no 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 he is really a spiritual father we need to go back to him and then they would return but it is it is it is never allowed for a spiritual relationship or a spiritual father relationship to break apart a marriage and coming to the next question it will become very easier for me to answer that because what happens in a relationship or a submission to a spiritual father is that you're following that person into a destination into it's a journey and 
if the husband is going in this direction and the wife is going in this direction it's only a matter of time before they you know before there there is conflict and before they are pulled into two different directions and that is why i don't personally believe that a husband and a wife can have two different spiritual parents because submitting to a spiritual parent i mean this is not for everybody if you have a revelation you have it if you don't have a revelation then please don't do it okay this has to be by spiritual revelation that you submit to a spiritual parent and you journey with them but if you do do that you cannot you cannot journey in two different directions recently we were counseling a man of god who was saying my wife is submitted somewhere else but this is where i believe is my calling she's serving there and i'm serving here and you know so initially everything was okay but 3 years 4 years 5 years into ministry they just realized how you know things are falling apart in their marriage initially they thought wow how mature of us to accept each other as we are but then this is spiritual dynamics in spiritual relationships you grow you evolve you are changed you mature and if you do that it is very hard for you to do that alone in marriage and and continue to remain you know in submission to a man who is not going in the same direction so my my advice would be in a in a in a point like that where you know where the husband and the wife have two different revelation of who their spiritual parents should be my perspective is that the wife should submit to the husbands not because the wife is not spiritual but because in marriage the husband still gets to be the head in the house still gets to have the the final decision or call right so in marriage it is okay for the wife to trust the leadership of the husband and submit and let the lord bring alignment at the right time if it is not from the lord things that are not from the lord will not sustain the test of time it may be you know so many people have said oh you're my spiritual father and 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 i i have said okay let's see where it goes and two years into the you know into the journey they are like nowhere with us and that's when we know that it was not really a spiritual revelation so some things will not stand the test of time so you don't have to be worried that oh my god i'm making a blunder you can trust the order that god has placed in marriage and submit and at the right time god will bring divine alignment amen when we are born again so we are called the child of god and uh, uh, like uh, when is it like actually we, we are the child of god and uh, the difference between child and the son of god so uh, i want you to throw the light on these things okay that's that's a beautiful question you know if you read john chapter 1 verse 12 you would see this verse that says everybody that believes in jesus they are the children of god so the moment you believe in jesus it doesn't matter if you've been attending church or not it doesn't matter if you've if you're christian or not but if you believe in jesus the moment you put your faith in jesus you put your trust your heart in jesus saying i am a sinner i cannot do this by myself i need this jesus to take me through life the moment you believe that you become a child of god okay but every child of god doesn't have all the resources of heaven 
Because ch- children, as much as they are your children, you don't give them your bank account details. Because they're going to mess up. As much as they are your children, you don't give them your car to drive. They are your children, but you don't give them access to every part of the house. There are certain aspects, certain things that they don't have access to. But they have to grow up and become mature as sons, prove themselves to be trustworthy before you say, okay, son, here is my credit card. You know, whatever expense you have in this journey, please use it. Because you know, this son is not going to misuse it and he has become responsible enough to to feel the burden of the house and feel the needs of the house and even provide for the house. Now, he is not seeing this as something that that he can enjoy, but he's responsible for what he is getting. He's becoming a steward in the house. That's when he is a son. And in the, in the church, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, all those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not the children of God, but the sons of God, which means it's a journey. You see, Jesus was born in the Spirit. But Jesus was not led by the Spirit till the time of being in the wilderness. Jesus was born in the Spirit. He was conceived in the Spirit. But it took a long journey before the voice could come from heaven and say, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He had to be led. He had to journey in that grace for a long time before that revelation could come from heaven. Amen? So, Sometimes that journey can become tiresome and we can get tired beforehand and we may think, okay, this is, uh, I'm not getting access to this thing or I'm not getting access to that thing or I'm not being trusted enough. And, and we may tend to give up soon. But if we stay rooted, if we stay faithful, even when we don't have access, even when we don't have a lot of things, that's when that sonship will be Will, will be entrusted into your hands. And I think that you are already sons. It's just a matter of you maturing into that. Like the moment you are born again, you are actually a son or a daughter. It's not like you, uh, there is a point at which the father says, okay, now you are no longer a child, now you are a son. No, Jesus was a son of God when he was born on the earth. He was not a child of God. He was the son of God. And yet, there had to be a waiting period of 30 years before it could be declared from heaven that this is my son. You can trust him. You can listen to him. Whatever he says, you do it and you will succeed. It had to wait for a period before that sonship could be tested. Amen? So, so I, I, think, I, I hope that answers the question. Not just believing. Believing just makes you children. But it's a journey of being led and following in in the footsteps. Because in the church, we make it very simple. You just fill this form and you become a child of God. (laughs) Or you fill this form and you, you go to heaven. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, you follow me. Jesus didn't say, okay, how many of you want to go to heaven? Just fill up this form. That's not how it worked in Jesus' days. You, you want eternity? You, you take your cross and follow me. Come after me. Journey with me. And it is in that journey that they became sons. It is in that journey that that sonship was, it began to manifest. Amen? The title of this morning's word is Imitating Jesus' Sonship. 
five ways in which we can imitate Jesus' sonship. Jesus, like I told you, is the perfect son, right? He is the best son that we can look up to. If we can understand how Jesus was a son, then we can be better sons in our physical, to our physical parents. And every time I say sons, I also mean daughters. Yeah, because I'm saying sons because in the, in, the, in the scriptural sense, there is no daughters that God has. God doesn't have daughters. God only has sons. Do you get that? Your authority, your, your perspective, in your physical gender, you may be a woman or a girl, but God is not looking at you as a daughter. God still sees you as a son. You have the same access that that man has. You, you, just because you're a woman, you're no, not inferior in authority or access or revelation. In Christ, there is no male nor female. In Christ, there is no gender bias, okay? That is why I'm talking about sons. At the same time, all you men know that you are the bride of Christ. Yeah? Hallelujah, yeah. Just like all the daughters are sons of God, all the men... We are the bride of Christ. We have to become a little feminine. <laughs> we have to learn how to beautify ourselves. Come on now. Yeah? This is a spiritual relationship, okay? So there are five things that I'd like to teach you this morning about imitating Jesus' sonship. The first thing is how Jesus came to reveal to us the image of his father. Jesus did not come to just take our sins away. If that was the case, he would directly descend on Mount Golgotha, die for us, and he's like, okay, done. Job done, let's go back. Every time we ask a question to people saying, why do you think Jesus came? He came to die for our sins. No, he just didn't, he didn't come to die for your sins, my friend. He came to reveal the Father to us. That was the primary reason. Otherwise, Jesus didn't have to be here on the earth for 33 and a half years. He came to reveal the image and the personality and the character of the Father to us. And I think that that is what we have to imitate of Jesus. Let's read the scripture. John chapter 14 and verse 9. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Jesus says, hey, this is who I was all this time. Didn't you get this yet? Didn't you have a revelation of this? I didn't come to just do miracles for you. I didn't come to give you just nice teachings. I came to reveal the Father to you. All this time, every time you came and saw my face, what you were seeing is not me. What you were seeing is the Father. Can we walk on the earth in the same manner? We have different, you know, relationships. We have a Father in heaven. We have spiritual fathers that we have to represent. Can we imitate this about Jesus? That Jesus, as a son, he was here not to exalt himself, not to show us how loving the son is. Jesus is also love. But he didn't come to show us his love. 
we think that the cross is the symbol of Jesus' love for us. No, it's not. It is the symbol of the Father's love for us. Jesus did not die to show you his love. He died to show you how much the Father loves you. His entire life here on earth was one, it had one motto, to reveal the image of the Father. See, the Father, he dwells in unapproachable light. Nobody has seen him and can never see. Even into eternity, we will get glimpses, but we will not ever see him fully. The only person who has seen him fully and who embodies him fully is Jesus. And Jesus says, I have come so that I can bring you the image of the Father. Reveal to you. See, the one reason why we don't worship idols is because nobody, no idol is full enough to encompass what God the Father is. Only the person of Jesus. Jesus is our idol. Jesus, I, you know, in, in himself, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, the fullness of Godhead, which means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it dwelt in Christ. Ooh, the fullness of Godhead dwelt in Christ and it was manifested to us. So what Jesus did here on earth for 33 and a half years and what he still does, let's read on John chapter 17 and verse 25 and verse 26. One, two, three, go. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you. You remember? I told you nobody has seen him, okay? O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. Do you see the confidence Jesus has? Like, I have been there. I know I have seen the entirety. I do. I know you. My disciples, they don't know you, but they know that you sent me. What, what does the next line say? And these disciples, they know that you sent me. Verse 26. So this is what I have done. I have revealed you to them. Wait a minute. After this, Jesus died on the cross. But Jesus says, and I will continue to do so. Wow. Which means, even till today, what does Jesus do to us? He's revealing the Father to us. Jesus doesn't exalt himself. The Holy Spirit, he exalts Jesus. He elevates Jesus. He reminds us of what Jesus says and does and who he is. But Jesus, he doesn't elevate himself. He doesn't reveal himself to us. When he comes, when Jesus walks into a room, we don't get the revelation of Jesus. We get the revelation of the Father. That is who Jesus is. How many of us are, are excited to imitate Jesus in that manner? That God, when I walk into a city, people can't see me. I have to become extremely conscious about what I am showing off over there. Not how good I am. Not how powerful or anointed I am. But I'm here to represent the one who sent me. I'm not here because I'm invited by you. I'm here because I'm sent into this place. And I'm here to represent who sent me into this place. Who anointed me for this task. Who, who has elevated me for this purpose. Amen. So our first task is to imitate Jesus 
in revealing the image of the Father. Okay? The second thing is echoing the words of the Father. What is the first thing? Revealing the image of the Father. The second is to echoing the words of the Father. John chapter 14 and verse 10. Jesus said, Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father, He is in me. So the words that I speak, they are not my own, but my Father who lives in me and does His work through me. So the words that I speak, it is the words that the Father is speaking through me. So everything that Jesus spoke here on the earth, it was the echo of what the Father has been speaking inside of Him. Which means Jesus copied His Father's sermons. So many of us, we think, oh my God, Old Testament God is different from the New Testament God. No. This New Testament God, He was echoing what the Old Testament God was saying. It was the exact same things. Even when it looks conflicting, even when it looks different, it was still the same thing. Because, you know, you would see moments like the Old Testament God says, keep your Sabbath holy, don't do any work. But, the, but this Jesus comes and says, wait a minute, my father is always working, so I should be working. And even on a Sabbath, I am working. But wait a minute, what, which one is right? What, what is true? And that is where you take it in its entirety and you say there are certain things that, you know, these Jews, they would be working even on the Sabbath to take care of themselves. Jesus was not working on Sabbath to take care of himself. He was feeding God's people. He was doing God's work. So he said, as long as I'm doing my father's work, there is no break. There is no Sabbath. There is no chutti. There is no vacation from doing my father's work. Amen. And so here it is, Jesus says, hey, whatever I spoke to you, it was not my words. Which means, as a church, okay, in this season ahead, we have to measure our words very carefully. If what you are speaking to your enemy, or to your friend, or to the person you gossip with, or to the person you want to slander about, what you are about to speak, if that doesn't reflect the opinion of your father, then you have to re refrain from it. So you understand why we need a father now, because it becomes a reference point for us to know what I'm allowed to speak and what I'm not allowed to speak. And here the Bible says, Jesus, he said, the words that I speak, they are not my own. Can you imagine what will happen to the authority you carry if every word you speak Everything you do is an echo of what your father is speaking. Every morning when you wake up, if you, if you tune into what your heavenly father is speaking, if you just, just stop to hear what, what your earthly father or your spiritual father that has been given to you for this time on earth, what he is declaring, and you say, okay, this is all that I'm going to be echoing in this season. I'm not going to confess the lies of the enemy. I don't have my own opinion. Some of us, we need to resign to our opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God has given you a free will. But today we are saying, I, I don't want my own opinion. I'm laying my opinion on the altar so that I can embrace the opinion of my father. I can take on 
And even when, sometimes, you know, you should understand, your spiritual fathers are not 100% correct. And even when they give you an opinion that may not be right, God knows how to rectify it in time. At the right time, God knows how to bring in the complete alignment, the full picture. John chapter 17 and verse 14. Jesus is praying, I have given them your word and the world hates them. Why? Because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. You know what's the problem of echoing the words of the Father? It will make you stand out. You cannot gel with everybody. You cannot just be like everybody. Automatically you will stand out. You may become somebody that people hate. You may become somebody that people don't like hanging out with, which is okay. Jesus said, this is going to happen as a result of the words that I have given them. The words. Not because they are dressing different. Not because they are, you know, acting different. But just because of the words that I have given them. Now they do not belong to the world because of that. And the world is going to hate them as, as a result of that. So if you are wanting to become a voice, an echo of your father in heaven then be prepared to be ridiculed. Be prepared to be rejected. Be prepared to be made fun of. But I, I tell you this, there is nobody who has ever had to make, make stand up for God here on the earth, in your offices, in your workplaces, or sometimes even before your spiritual friends, that you stand up for your revelation. There are so many of my friends childhood, best friends, people that I admire and adore who distanced away from me in this last seasons because of my relationship with my spiritual father. And that's okay for me. I don't even consider that as a sacrifice because I, I know that the word that I'm receiving, it is, it's got to separate me from the common. If it doesn't separate me from the common, it is, it, it, it is not doing its work correctly. I am not receiving this word correctly. It has to separate me from the things. Okay? Let's go to the next point. Let's read all the three points together. Revealing the image of the Father. Echoing the words of the Father. And the third thing, imitating the words of the Father. Wow. So... So just the personality is not enough. Just the words are not enough. Now, the works. This is what Jesus did. John chapter 5 verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. Do you see what? Jesus is telling us how his relationship with the father is, the kind of son that he is, the kind of works that he did. So Jesus didn't do anything on the earth that he first didn't see his father already doing in heaven. How amazing is that? His eyes are intentionally fixed on what the father's, where the father's hands are moving, where his heart is going, what his heart is beating for, who he's if you read the context in John chapter 5, go back and read the story. Jesus goes into the courtyard of the temple, okay, where there's by the pool of Bethsaida. 
And there are scores of sick people lying there. And Jesus bypasses all of them, goes to one of them and says, do you want to be well? Then get up and walk. Get up, take your mat and walk. My point is, Jesus didn't heal anybody else. Although he could have, he didn't. Why? Because he didn't see his father healing anyone else. See, do, do you think that the father would be like, oh no. Jesus is doing this now, you know, it's the wrong thing. I will not allow him power. Do you think that if Jesus would lay hands on somebody, somebody will not get healed? He had the power to heal all of them. And yet, that morning probably when Jesus was on the mountain praying, he did not see the father healing all of them. He saw the father healing this one particular guy. So Jesus bypassed people that he had compassion for. Jesus ignored people that had sickness just to go and heal the one person that he saw his father healing. Sometimes when, when we feel bad for people, we are like, okay, this is, I know my father doesn't want me to do this, but you know, how can I just deny this guy? Let me give him some money. How can I, you know, we are sometimes more merciful than God is. We try to be more loving than God is. Do you know that is what lands us up in a lot of trouble? Yeah, it is. We, we try to counsel people that we shouldn't be counseling. And that is what causes us more trouble than... And so if we can just be just a little more wiser in this season. And saying, God, I need to know what you are doing today. And also, your spiritual parents, you need to imitate the works of your spiritual parents. See what they are doing in this season and just imitate them, intentionally imitate them. See their way of life. Again, all of this is biblical. Okay, we know scriptures that talk about imitating your spiritual parents. Do I need to go there? We, are, we, are all, we will memorize them, right? 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Hebrews 13, verse 7 and 17. All of it, we know how we need to do it. So, I'm not talking out of context. I'm not trying to teach you to do something which is not in scripture. These are things that God has ordained for us to do. Which means you need to observe them very carefully. If they are on, online, you need to observe them. Hey, wait, where are they spending their time in? What is, the, what is the pattern that I see in their prayer life? What is the pattern that I see in their relationships? What is the pattern that I see in their in their understanding of, you know, different aspects like their finances and their, you know, all of us, we are waiting for God to come and give us a revelation saying, oh, now you cannot give 10%, now you need to give 10.1%. And then we are like, okay, because you said God, I will give 10.1. And, and in one season, I didn't have to have a revelation from God. I just had a, a physical role model to, to learn from. I imitate the works of my father. I don't have to wait for God to come and tell me to do certain things so that I can do it. I have a role model here on earth that God has given me to imitate. You know, in Hebrews 13 verse 7, it says, observe their way of life and imitate their faith. It means it's not just their faith, even their way of life. Consider the outcome of their conduct. You know, the other translation says, Observe their manner of life, their way of life, which goes beyond just their spirituality. We observe and we imitate. Amen? 
Let's go back to John chapter 5 and verse 20. Do you want to see this revelation? This is very important. It says, Because the Father loves the Son, He shows Him everything that He is doing. So the problem with many of us is that we don't see what the Father is doing. But the Bible says the Father, because He loves the Son, which means the Son, He has positioned Himself as a beloved son, as a, as a son that the father can show himself to. And show how he does his marriage, how he does his finances, how he runs his, you know, parenting at home, how he takes care of his garden. The father, it says the father loves the son and has shown him everything that he is doing. So the first 30 years of Jesus' life, it was very insignificant, so to speak, because we don't see how he's imitating the works of the Father. But there came a point where the Father began to trust him as his beloved son, where now the Father is showing him what he is doing. It's not like the Father was not healing or helping or blessing people before Jesus was baptized. The Father was still doing it. But Jesus didn't was not positioned in that place to now see and imitate it at that time. But the Bible says now the father, he loves the son and he is showing him everything that he is doing. So sometimes it's, it's not because the fa father doesn't love the son, it's because sometimes the son also needs to respond to that love and position himself or herself in that place of identity and saying, hey, I am a beloved and I will function as the beloved. And it says, in fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. In other words, Jesus, when he was on the earth, he didn't possess any divine attributes. Not because he couldn't access them. He intentionally kept them away. And that's why he was dependent on the father to know how to heal somebody. Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus in whom the fullness of God dwelt in, he was still dependent on seeing his Father to know how to do certain things. And Jesus says, you've not seen anything yet. Greater works are coming. Greater things are coming because I'm seeing, I'm watching how my Father does things. See, on the earth, people are not seeing the Father. People are only seeing Jesus do the signs and the wonders, right? History records Jesus healed people. But we know the backstory. We know the secret. The secret is not that Jesus was healing people. The secret is that the Father was healing them and Jesus just imitated the works of the Father. John chapter 5 verse 17, Jesus replied, My Father, He is always working and so am I. 5 verse 30, He says, I can do nothing on my own. Wow, that is some powerful words there. You're talking about an omnipotent God who says, I can do nothing on my own. It's not because he cannot do, it's because he's restricted himself. Saying, I will not do anything on my own. He says, I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment, it is just. Because I carry out the will of the one who sent me and not my own will. Let's read the points again. Revealing the image of the Father, 
echoing the words of the father imitating the works of the father and then stewarding the resources of the father all the prodigal children in the house said an amen thank you for lying <laughs> most of us are prodigal children we have misused god's resources we have mis come on what was the problem of the prodigal son he misused the father's resources he used those resources outside the house those resources were supposed to be used inside the house for the blessing and the breakthrough and the greatness of this house this house name but this this guy he said i will use this money but outside the house and that's where he lost all of it but god is bringing the prodigal sons back home amen god is restoring us john chapter 17 verse 9 my prayer is not for the world but for those that you have given me see it belongs to jesus but this is jesus prayer because they belong to you you've given them to me but they belong to you i love that word that pastor sam preached a couple of sundays back what are giving to the lord we don't give to god we bring to god it already belongs to god you are not give, doing charity by giving money to god your money belongs to god in the first place jesus says these disciples that you have given me they already belong to you yes on earth they are known as jesus's followers the name that is highlighted is jesus's disciples but they are not mine they belong to you they've always been yours they've always been yours can you have that attitude about your marriage your children your business your work your ministry i'm telling you we we will not regret giving too much to god we will not regret sacrificing too much we will we will have no challenge in laying down things you know i i i tell this to all my pastors under me in saying all my sons i have told them i said if you think that i am your father and pastor shaiju he is your grandfather you're wrong he's not all my sons are my father's sons all my daughters are my father's daughters all my churches are my father's churches all my money all my resources are my father's there is there is no distinction because it is the anointing upon his life that enabled me to do what i am doing so i can never say that this is mine and this is not yours i have told this to my father as well i said that all my pastors all my sons they are your sons they are not your grandsons you know in fact i've stopped people from calling him grandpa please don't call him grandpa yeah you can call him father because I, that is the deal i've made with dad that you know do we call jesus father and the and the father in heaven grandfather no why because jesus said all that is mine is yours they belong to you and i made that deal with my father come on we don't have grandchildren in god's kingdom yeah my everything that is mine belongs to my father there is there is no distinction there is nothing that i have they, they, you will not find me saying this belongs to me and this belongs to my father that there is if this belongs to me this also my father is 100% and that's one of the reasons why 
we had to intentionally pursue my father till he gives us the name his nearness i said it's okay this you know church cannot be cannot be under my leadership my church leadership i by the way there's another thing i i stopped doing revival dreamers conference that's the last conference was the last time we did that conference that was a personal dream and vision of mine i laid it down at the altar i said that i am no longer going to do revival revival dreamers if you are led to do a pastors and leaders meeting i will do it under your leadership that's it i mean i it's my dream i have i've loved doing this some of you know this how much i have you know revival dreamers is like something we we break our church budget to do but i laid it on the altar i said it doesn't matter i don't i don't want to have my own way because everything that is mine is my father's i it belongs to him i think that we have to come to a place where we just surrender everything that belongs to us to to say okay everything that is that is mine has been given to me you know sometimes we forget that we may be doing that business we may be doing that job but the blessing it comes from another place the blessing did not come because you studied four years in an engineering college or because you studied marketing and mba or whatever that your blessing the blessing did not come because of your skill set the blessing came because of somebody's words that were spoken over you why do you think jacob and esau you know they were fighting over what land or property no they were fighting over words esau he was weeping he's like father speaks speak something good about me say something good about me he was not crying saying god father give me property give me a bigger property than what you have given to jacob he was saying just speak something good about me he was weeping before his father for that and what you get here on sundays when the man of god is speaking and blessing you week after week don't take that lightly and and the bible says these these, these are things that are given to me and when it is given to you you have to come to a revelation that says hey this already belongs to them this already that is why the first century church didn't have a problem in selling their houses their property and bring everything to the feet of the apostles because they know that our blessing did not come from our ancestors our blessing came from what our apostles brought to us and so they brought everything to the apostles saying okay you know this is where our blessing comes from and so this is where it will always belong jesus did this our role model is jesus himself john 17 verse 19 says all who are mine can we make this our personal declaration come on loudly all who are mine belong to you one more time all who are mine change it everything that is mine belong to you every relationships belong to you every rupee belongs to you every time every second every hour belongs to you my health my family my relationships belong to you all that is mine belongs to you the bible says but you have given them to me so that they bring me glory wow god has given us these things why not so that god gets the glory 
but so that you get the glory. So God doesn't mind when you look better. God doesn't mind when, when you have more attention. God has given them to you so that you, you, you look glorious. But that shouldn't change where we think or who we think owns or possesses everything that we have. The owner of everything that we have is still God. We have to have that revelation that all that is mine, it still is in you. All that is mine belongs to you. Are we ready? Let's, let's finish this last, last point, okay? One, two, three, go. Let's read it out. Revealing the image of the Father, echoing the words of the Father, imitating the works of the Father, stewarding the resources of the Father, growing in oneness with the Father. John chapter 17, verse 21. Jesus prayed, I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one and you are in me. Father and I am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus is demonstrating the oneness that he has with the Father. He's saying, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And as a result of that, let them also be in me, be in us, so that the world will see that the Father has sent Jesus as the answer to all problems on the earth. So Jesus is speaking about this level of oneness that Jesus had with the Father in heaven. And he's saying, that is something worth imitating. Oneness with the Father. This is deeper than just imitating the Father from a distance. This is deeper than just doing the works of the Father. But if you say that you are one with the Father, but you are not imitating the Father, that's false. If you say you are one with the Father, but you are not doing the works of the Father, not stewarding the resources of the Father, well, then you're lying. Growing in oneness with the Father requires for you to journey in the first four. Only then you reach the place where you can say, okay, I am one with the Father. That anybody that has seen me has seen the Father. Anybody that talks with me has spoken with the Father. There's this one particular element that I need to highlight here. Jesus says, this result of perfect unity has to be that they will also be one with each other. In other words, you cannot be one with your father if you're fighting with your brother. If you're angry and anxious and jealous with your brother and sister, then you're not one with your father. If you want to grow in oneness with your father, you will have to first grow in oneness with your brothers and sisters. That's why Apostle John said, how can you love a father, God, that you don't see but you hate your brother and sister that you do see. That's contradictory. Yeah, some brothers and sisters are pain. Some brothers and sisters don't do the right things, don't say the right things. It's very hard to love these brothers and sisters. But it's a process of dying to ourselves. Growing in oneness with the Father requires us to grow in oneness with each other. That's why Jesus didn't say, 
as long as their relationship with me is sorted, everything will be fine. They said, no, no, no. They have to be one with each other. Only then they can be in us. Read it one more time. I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one. And you are in me, Father. And I am in you. And may they be in us. So that the world will believe that you sent me. The problem with the world today is that the Jesus you proclaim and the Jesus that somebody else proclaims is two Jesus. We're all talking about a different Jesus. One, one guy is preaching saying Jesus will curse you, hurt you, kill you. Another guy is saying Jesus will bless you but will slightly hurt you. Another guy is saying Jesus will only bless you, no hurt you. All of us have different opinions and that's why the world can't really see that Jesus is the one. But what would happen if the church would come to such perfect unity? Oneness of faith. Oneness of revelation. Scriptural revelation. That the world can see. The strategy that God has for the evangelism of the world is not another crusade. We think if only we can have enough money, enough gospel crusades, enough track distribution, enough outreach programs. The strategy that heaven has for evangelism is our oneness. That we love each other. That we humble ourselves before each other. It's not even charity. Charity is what we do for poor people. It's not even charity. It's how we treat each other. That they will all be one. Then they will live in us. Just as I live in you. And then the world will know that God has sent Jesus into this world. Verse 22, it says, I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they can do a lot of miracles in Bangalore. So that they can earn a lot of money. So that they will become the most famous politicians or the most famous pastors or the biggest churches. Why did God give us, why did Jesus give us the glory of the Father? Come on, read it one more time. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. The only way this oneness is possible is when we receive the glory of God. When we are walking in the glory of God. It is not possible because we have humility. It's not possible because we are kind to each other and we are nice people. It happens only when the glory comes. How many of you know that the glory of God is here this morning? The Shekinah glory is here. And when the glory comes, differences disappear. The purpose of that glory is to ease out every highs and lows. You know, it's, I, I mean, thank God for the healings that will happen this morning. Yeah, thank God for the provisions that are coming into your into your wallets, into your bank accounts this week. We thank God for the new beginnings that God is giving you this season. But greater than that is the, is the erasing of the ups and the downs. Nobody is going to be more important than the other. This glory is going to unite us together as one. Come on, stand with me as we read the last verse. This is a prayer Jesus is praying for us. 
John chapter 17 verse 23. He says, Father, I, read with me, Father, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me.